You are now listening to Renewed Mind Revolution Podcast with your host, Michelle Cook-Hall. Please begin to take that good deep breath as we begin to refresh, recharge, and reset. Let's go. Today's podcast is brought to you by Faith Versus Fear, Breaking Family Size, now available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. You are now listening to Renewed Mind Revolution Podcast with your host, Michelle Cacall. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Renewed Mind Revolution Podcast with your host, Michelle Cacall. As always, it is my honor and my pleasure to be able to come on and share some tips and some tools with you that will assist you in becoming a better you. Listen. Today is going to be a little different. It's going to be a little unique. Um, and it's because I am taking my schoolwork and putting it here on podcast. Because I feel like you guys are going to get something out of this, right? This is something that's very dear to my heart. And I had the awesome opportunity to share my final, my final project with my listeners. And I thank my professor for giving me this opportunity. And so I was so excited to be able to do this. I said, listen. I have some very intelligent, educated, very uh, vibrant, uh, very alerted, very inquisitive listeners. And they are going to be excited to learn uh, what I've been learning, right? And to listen to some of the things that I've been going on and and dealing with for a, uh, a whole semester. So I am so excited to be able to bring my project to you guys on today. It's going to be a little different, but you know I'm going to definitely put my flavor into it. I'm going to definitely put my flavor into it, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk and share, and even in this project, I'm going to make sure that I give you something that's going to assist you in becoming a better you, because that's what this podcast is all about, sharing some tips and some tools that I know will assist you in becoming a better you. Remember that all of the information that you normally share here on this podcast can be found um, on on Amazon.com and the books Faith versus Fear and Breaking Breaking Family Ties. So I just want to get those little preliminaries out of the way. And so as I say today, it's going to be a little different. We're going to take my final project and we're going to uh, share it here with the listeners. Now, my professor gave us the opportunity to pick one of the topics that we talked about uh, during our you know during the entire semester. Now, let me be transparent because you guys know that's what I do. This is way out of my elements, okay? Way out of my element. Um, for those of you who don't know, my background pretty much is Baptist. That's what that's what I am, okay? But here I am taking a liturgy and Christian sacrament course, okay? Liturgy and sacrament course. And that's specifically talking about like sacraments and um, uh, Catholic uh, sacraments and rituals and, you know, instead of saying uh, Lord's Supper, they say Eucharist. And these are words that were really unfamiliar to me. But this is something that we discussed a lot uh, during our course. And there's so much that we talked about and I learned uh, a lot. And so I, I definitely want to share that. And so because of that, you know, I, I am one for learning. We talk about on this podcast all the time, making sure that we learn. You know, you're never too old to learn. You're never too old to open up your mind and get some other perspectives, right? And get better understanding of things, especially things that are unfamiliar to you. Open yourself up and learn about it, right? That's how we are as a community. We'll be able to grow. We'll be able to, uh, you know, gain more wisdom is when we decide to to put aside our own our own uh, personal beliefs that we've you know that really is tainted because we just have not been exposed to other things and sometimes we shut off what we are um, not familiar to how about that when we are not familiar with things we think we deem to shut it off and so I wanted to make sure that I didn't do that I'm getting to the age of my life that I want to make sure that I grow and continue to do what be progressive and that's what we talk about all the time on this podcast so in my liturgy and Christian sacrament course we had to pick a topic right and so my topic was uh the flaws that I find in rituals once again this word ritual is very familiar in uh in Catholicism, okay, it's, it's a normal 
uh, word to use when it comes to uh, their the, the faith of Catholicism. Now, in my faith, in my upbringing, in my background, that word ritual was very standoffish for so many reasons. And we're going to get into why that was a standoff uh, word for me. But one of the major reasons, it, it, I mean, immediately when we got onto this topic, and I was very transparent with my class, is that that word was attached to, uh, and, you know, for my faith background, that word was attached to pagan beliefs. Hear me again, pagan practices. Okay. So those who did not uh, necessarily worship or serve God, they would practice rituals. This is me not understanding. This is me just, uh, you know, based upon my background based upon my faith background is what I like to say right and so to hear it used in a Christian environment was something that we just didn't do you know it was something that I just had never heard of prior to coming to this course so we're going to discuss that we're going to talk about you know the flaws that I find in it but also those who uh you know do believe in you know the rituals using rituals in in um in Christianity and and the and the positive in that. So we're going to look at both. You know, I'm not going to just give one side, but my perspective from my paper perspective was definitely seeing the flaws. So we're going to talk about the flaws because there is a flaw in that just as anything else we can find flaws, but from my own um Christian walk and my Christian faith, why I find that that can become a problem. So we're going to talk about that today. I hope you're excited. I hope you're ready. Um, if you don't know anything about this, this is perfect. This is perfect. We are going to do this together. We're going to learn together. We are going to grow together. We are going to share together. So here we go. We're going to talk about it. Um, Ritual-based religions is uh, most prominent in Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, and Protestant uh, liturgical high church services, but uh, also in Buddhism and Hinduism. So you can see why from someone who's coming from a Baptist uh, background, this is not something that I'm very familiar with, okay? So we're going to look at the word ritual itself. Ritual uh, is a ceremony. So let's get that understanding. It's a ceremony or action performed in a customary way. Okay. As an adjective, ritual means conforming to religious rites, which are the sacred customary ways of celebrating a religion or a culture. Now, there are several types of rituals. Um, initiations into groups, organizations, and here go the word cult. And that's mostly what I heard um, growing up. That's why I brought up pagan. Because when you use the word ritual in my faith background, it was normally attached to the two cults, okay? Two cults. So that's why I shunned from that word uh, ritual when it came to Christianity. Because like I stated in the beginning, it's just not something that was used um, in my faith background. Um, so let's, let's, let's continue to, to look at this. Worship. Uh, rituals of worship include prayer, the consecration of food and drink towards a deity, invoking the name of a deity. So, you know, we're looking at uh, the word ritual. We're understanding uh, better what the word ritual means. So when I thought about rituals, I also thought about the word tradition. And so I, I wanted to see the difference between uh, ritual and tradition. Tradition is a generic term that encompasses a wide variety of things and concepts handed down by one generation to another. Ritual is an act uh, or a series of acts that are performed or observed on on occasions, events, festivals, and ceremonies. Okay, so when we look at the word uh, ritual, I also think about the word spiritual. Okay, now I got this uh, definition or the difference between. Uh, ritual and spiritual from an article and this article is from uh, difference between dot net and it's from our author called Nimsha Kaushik Nimsha Kaushik 
Nimshakashik states, ritual and spiritual are two different words, okay? Not only in their meanings, but also um, they are almost polar opposite implications, okay? Now, according to this article, spirituality has nothing to do with any single religion or belief. It is a person's very own individual conviction of something he believes in. And rituals are rites or some kind of discipline that is followed by people belonging to different religions and different beliefs. And he also states that rituals are not just referred to in the context of religion. They can be any kind of routine one follows like someone's morning rituals, okay? So, you know, like when you wake up in the morning and you, what do you do? You might stretch, you might say prayer in the morning um, before you even uh, step out of bed because many people I've heard, you know, that's their thing. Before my feet hit the bed, hit the floor, I'm going to pray. That could be a ritual of something that you do every day, right? Like right at that particular time of the morning, you know, you get up, you make sure, you know, that before uh, you brush your teeth, you make sure that you eat, you know, then you brush your teeth. You know, that could be considered a morning ritual okay so then the article goes on to talk about spirituality right because i want to see once again the difference between spiritual and ritual so spiritual uh spirituality is something which is very close to a person's personal convictions right we can refer this to conviction as one's soul or integrity or belief uh, spirituality is like something you believe in your heart and your soul. It is desire to do what your most heightened unconscious asks you to do. We can also refer to as one's conscious, the desire to believe in something like God, religion, knowledge, meditation, kindness, enlightenment is considered spirituality. The desire to do what is considered uh, is the perfect karma. It has nothing to do re with religion rituals nationality race gender or anything like that being spiritual means believing in something so strongly that nothing else can take its place some people who believe most in their inner selves and do not give heed to any particular kind of stereotypes or cause or cards called spiritual um, people who believe in something higher than themselves and still do not worship any specific God of religion often consider themselves spiritual. And that's something that um, I have heard of uh, before. You know, when a person is considered spiritual, you know, they are like, they might say that they uh, are connected to, you know, the universe or Mother Earth, you know, um, or, you know, like they stated, their own inward inward uh power or you know the the greatness in themselves but they don't do not acknowledge like god or christ or anything like that okay so according to this article that is um considered spiritual uh so spirituality according to this article is the immaterial it does not have any rules forms and disciplines it's fluid like a person's innermost thoughts um, it is the most important thing a person can believe in and use to connect to what he considers the most important outcome of life, like achieving. Um, now, listen, we're going to talk about what this article says about rituals. Rituals can be defined as the rites and ceremonies which are used during religious ceremonies. OK, so this is this is what this is what we're going to talk about. OK, um, which are used during religious ceremonies or used in places or houses of worship. The term can also refer to a following a code of conduct during a formal ceremony, not necessarily a re religious nature. And so I, I remember, you know, as I was preparing for this, even looking at graduations, you know, when, you know, you have a ritual in place for graduations, the graduates uh, line up, the graduates go across the stage, the graduates shake, you know, the hand, the graduates take the tassel and put it on the other side. I mean, these are steps, right? These are rules in place. These are what? Rituals, right? 
Okay, so that does not have to take place in a religious nature, a religious um, environment. Okay, so um, it also means following a method of regularly and, and something faithfully. Um, for example, someone's off office ritual or ritual storytelling um, at night. You know, every night, you you know, as a parent, you might be that parent who, you know, decides to go into the room and... Uh, tuck your child in every night to the point that they expect it every night, right? And you have this specific book and, you know, you sit on the edge of the bed, right? So it, it's just, these are, these are rituals. Rituals may or may not be something which leads to perfect goodness. Rituals can be good or bad. And so once again, let me emphasize that when I heard the word ritual, immediately I attached it to something that was bad. I didn't know of the good of, of rituals. It was just something that was attached to uh, cults and, and paganism, okay? Um, other uh, religions that practice black magic and, and all of that. So that's that's where I was when it came to that word ritual. Now, I want to see the difference um, in religion and ritual. I'm going to, I'm teaching today, you all. So this might be a little longer than what we are used to, but I'm teaching today. I'm talking today about rituals, something that I am not familiar with, but I had to become familiar with it in order for me to um, talk about it for my final and for me to, you know, uh, learn about, you know, another form of, uh, practice used in religion that I'm not very familiar with, which is uh, Catholicism, because my background is Baptist. So here we go. We're going to continue. So I looked at the word religion and ritual. Ritual is the combination of repeated words. Okay. And this is where it, it gets really edgy for me. This is where my concern goes up, right? Repeated actions and familiar symbols which define, express, and strengthen the identity or beliefs of those participating. Ritual defines and expresses who we are, what we believe, to whom we belong, and our relationship with others. Now, I'm going to talk more about the, the repetitiveness of rituals and, and, and why that was a red flag for me. Um, and, and, and why it was concerning for me, but you know, there is a scripture that I will share later that talks about being repetitive and how that is not a good thing and, and how, when you are, uh, constantly repeating something, you, you become what dull at it. It loses its what luster. And so that is a concern for me. And that was one of the things, um, I, I mean, it's so simple. There has been times, you know, in, in my church services growing up, we, we did not practice a lot of rituals, you know, a lot of things that were exactly the same. But there were things in place, you know, when you open up your, your service, there were certain things that were just in place, certain, you know, you read your scriptures, you sing your song, you read. but it was one time, and let me be transparent, there was one time that I, I, I felt the dullness of it. I felt it because it was so repetitious. It was like, you know, you you read the scriptures, you sung a song, you come right back, you know, they prayed or then they came right back and they did the same thing again just because it was the order in which they was accustomed to doing it. But it didn't fit in. It didn't fit in. It was something that was constantly done just because it was done, because it was the order of the service. But it just did not fit. It no longer fit for the moment anymore. So it became dull. It became very dull. And that's the fear that I have when it becomes repetitious. You're just doing it because it's customary. You're just doing it because it's something that we've always been accustomed to doing. It's something that we have in our order of service is what we call it, right? In our order of service. And because it is our order of service, we're going to do it. Whether it makes sense, whether it is something that needs to be done right then and there, it does not matter. We are just going to do it. And that is one of the issues that I have in the rituals. Please let me continue because you know I will begin to what? Preach. And I do not want to do that. 
Um, they even have something called the ritual body language. And I'm familiar with some of this, but once again, we didn't use the word ritual. But ritual body language used for prayer includes like gesture, posture, um, mimes. We've used mimes in our services before. Dance, we've used dance and movements um, such as proclaiming, processing, and singing. Such actions was used for prayer in ancient times and in ancient cultures. Christianity has a long and rich tradition of ritual body language, along with particular words and symbols. Certain actions also serve to signal key moments and transitions within prayer, liturgy, and ritual. A wide variety of prayer Actions can be observed on those occasions when prayer is less formal and liturgical, such as a class welcome ritual. Official church liturgies, such as the mass, have certain guidelines which indicate, excuse me, dictate appropriate ritual actions. So they're like, you know, you do this and then this happens. You know, there is like moments and they're in the ceremony where you know when to stand, when you know when to kneel, when you know when to, you know, make certain symbols. And these are things that I'm not very familiar with. Um, in our church services, there were, you know, you know, you might stand, all stand to pray. You may all sing what is called a congregational song. Um, you may, you might be asked to all close your eyes and bow your heads in prayer as a community, but that is it. It, it, it there's not too much, uh, you know, other things that are in place, you know, during a ceremony, but there are other, uh, practices when we're looking at, uh, you know, churches such as, uh, Roman Catholic churches and, you know, Orthodox and, you know, so we're looking at these and, and they have a little bit more and that's what we're talking about today. Um, so we are looking also at the ritual actions and movements of blessing, the sing the single or triple signing of the cross or processing along with the postures of bowing, standing with the hands raised and arms outstretched, stretched or kneeling with their hands joined are considered to be prayers in their own right as they were by uh, St. Dominic. When explored and practiced outside of the formal context, such movements and actions can be used more meaningfully and respectfully within church worship. Now, so that's something else that we, you know, don't do is the ritual actions and movements of blessings such as the single and triple uh, signing of the cross. You know, that is not something that, you know, we do often, but, you know, I have seen it being done, um, and just did not understand why it was being done, but this is a, this is a ritual action. This is a ritual action. So let's continue. Re uh, religion can be used to justify things and to motivate others. Rituals and ceremonies are practiced to show dedication and faith to a religion. Okay, so now let's get to the reasoning. Let's get to the reasoning for this ritual. We're going to we're going to get to where my perspective is in a little while. You guys know I want to give you the facts. I want to give you all the information that you need to get a better understanding before I sum up what my uh perspective is of this as well even though you you're getting some of it. And I do understand why there are things that are in place for reasons. I really do. But I just do not want to get caught up. and do not want to get caught up in the practice of something um, that loses, once again, the luster. That loses the, the effectiveness, the, the authenticity that we need when, when it comes to worship, when it comes to uh, our services. So I don't want to lose that. That's why this is very important to me. And, and then at the end of this, I will share with you uh, a specific, very personal moment in which a ritual was, was uh, put into place 
practiced and it once again you know it 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 bothered me and it it was very uh disturbing to me into someone that I, I I truly love. So let's let's get to it. The reasoning for rituals. Jesus reveals God's saving love through the Christian scriptures. We're talking about um, the New Testament and through the community of those who believe in Him, which is quote the church, whose whose lives and whose love for their fellow human beings are meant to be witnesses and signs of the fullness of God's love. So that's as a church, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be showing God's love. That's what we do as a community. We are a representation of the love of God. And we are supposed to show that to those who are uh, around us. So within the community of the Christian church, these important ritual celebrations of worship, the sacraments take place. Okay. Um, Their purpose is to do what? To build up the Christian community and each individual Christian within it in a way that will make the church as a whole and all Christians more and more powerful and effective witnesses and heralds of God's love for all people and of God's desire to give everlasting life to all human beings. So there is a reason for these ritual celebrations of worship, the sacraments that takes place. There are reasonings, reasoning for that. And the reason is to what? To build up the community, right? To build up you individually, but as a community, to make you more effective. That is supposed to be the purpose of it, right? Each of the sacraments is fundamentally an action of worship and prayer. Ideally, ideally, Okay, which we know in, in anything, we can have an ideal, you know, reason, an ideal outcome, but it does not always work that way. But ideally, each is celebrated in a community ritual prayer action in which everyone presents, uh, everyone who's present, excuse me, participates in worshiping God. Now, here we go. So as I was looking to this, I was looking into should there be you know rituals today what does history tells us biblically what does the scriptures tell us um in regards to rituals today so the mosaic law mosaic law this is the law that was in place given to moses that moses gave to the people prior to uh jesus christ right so the mosaic law prescribed a set of rituals for israel's worship of god there were many ceremonial laws for them to observe some of the laws were very specific and involved sprinkling of water sprinkling of blood the waving of grain or the washing of clothes um and before i continue with that let me say this it's 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 come to my understanding that a lot of things that were put into place prior to the coming of Christ, prior to Jesus being born, um, was because, you know, there were questions asked. Sometimes there were there were things that were done wrong. There were health issues. There were um, all kind of things that were doing being done that was incorrect, that was not sanitary, that was... You know, it was bringing sickness. It was bringing diseases. And so because of that, uh, there were laws. There were laws to protect and benefit the people. And I'm not sure why we don't get that concept, but that is that is truth. That is truth that there was just so much going on. And God being a father, God being our father, um, just as you would be as a parent now, when you see, you know, your children doing something wrong in your own house, what you begin to do is do what? Begin to establish rules and regulations from, you know, in, in my house, you know, for example, this is very simple, but having boys in the house and and me saying something simple like from now on, please make sure that you do what you when you're in the bathroom, you put down the seat, right? 
That's a rule. And if it was a house full of girls, I wouldn't have to say that. But because there's a there's boys in there, then I have to say, well, please put down the seats, right? Um, how about this? Something so simple. Because when you leave food out, you leave your plates on your table, on your counters, and you don't scrape out your plates, it can bring creepy crawlers to your house. So as a parent, I had to say, Please make sure that when you're done with your plate, you scrape out your plate and you put your plate in the sink. Because I saw what happened. Come on. I saw what happened when they didn't do these things. I saw things begin to uh, come up into my house when they didn't clean behind themselves, when they didn't take care of some sanitary issues in my house you know as a parent during COVID and my children are grown but I had to remind my children to please make sure that you wash your hands thoroughly please make sure that you're using sanitizers please make sure that you are when you're coming into the house and being outside amongst the community that you're coming in and you're washing your hands and not coming straight in and begin to eat and touch things you know these because I because of what I've heard that there are there are uh, people who are, are are getting sick right from touching and from spreading germs, you know, during the COVID. So I began to put those things in place as a parent, and that was the same thing with God. You know, when he 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 see things that are going on and 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 making them sick and not being healthy and 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 being you know bringing in perversion or whatever it was, he had to establish laws. And so that's what that was about. But then the Mosaic law was fulfilled when Christ came. Because now, you know, when you're coming to him because of Christ, now you're covered in the blood of Christ, right? So you don't have to worry about, like, you not being worthy to come to Christ unless you make a sacrifice, you know, you, you don't have to worry about coming to God, you know, and, and being unclean, you know, not only taking care of that natural, but the spiritual part as well. Because now you what you cover it's the inside job is what I like to call it. It's the inside job now because of what was done of the coming of Christ. And so the Mosaic law was fulfilled in Christ and Matthew 5, 17. And um, he, he said what he said, I came to do what to destroy the law. To destroy the law. The rituals of the Old Testament were never intended to be a permanent part of our worship. Okay. And, and as scripture clearly teaches. The gifts and sacrifices are only a matter of food and drink. And various ceremonial washings. External regulations applying until the time of the new order. That's why I call it the inside job. Because that was taking care of the outside. But now it's the work has been done in the inside because of the coming of Christ, right? The external regulations are not binding on us today. There is no New Testament mandate to include uh, recitations of uh, ceremonial objects or symbolic physical gestures in our worship today. Okay, there's no testament mandate. Our devotion now is just to God, to the Lord, um, not to any various rituals or liturgies. Okay, true Christianity as derived from an accurate interpretation of the Bible is not rules based on ritual based, uh, but rather it's the relationship based. It's the relationship based. The living God through Jesus has made those who believe in Christ his own children. And we can see that John, um, the first chapter, the 12th verse. Okay. And that's, 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 that's really, really important to me. Um, because there is a relationship. There is a relationship that, you know, has to be acknowledged that has to be nurtured that has to grow when you're talking about uh christianity when you're talking about uh, 
our, our, our relationship with, with Christ, our relationship with God, it has to grow. It has to mature. It has to be something that we, we nurture and we protect. So now we have this, we have this relationship based versus this ritual based. Hear me again. We have a relationship based versus a ritual based. And that's, that gets me to the title of this podcast. You know, I never talk about a title way into it, but this is the title of this podcast, Relationship Versus Ritual Based, okay? And so that's what's important is this relationship, which overrides the ritual based. The relationship based supersedes the ritual based. Now, the only rites the New Testament church is commanded to observe are uh, the ordinances such as baptism by immersion. Matthew 28, 19 talks about that and communion, which 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five talks about that or Eucharist, as they uh, call it um, in, in, uh, in the Roman Catholic Church. But even then, no details are given to regulate the exact methods to use. Baptism, of course, requires water and communion requires bread in the cup, quote the cup. Churches are free to baptize people in baptismals, lakes, swimming pools, horse troughs. I mean, that's, you know, a little, a little, you know, far out there. But the point is, by saying that, is that once again, if you have all these these uh, technicalities in place, because now this this is what I'm getting to. Um, when 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 you tell someone, you know, uh, about baptism, because we're talking about rituals here, and I, I remember in, in the course, you know, saying that you know only the bishop can do this, and only the priest can can do this and you know even when it came to the anointing only the you know the bishop can anoint the oil and only you know the priest can you know anoint and, and it, it was just so technical right so even in 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 baptism you know who can baptize you know who who can get baptized and so I go to the story of of John the Baptist and all we know is that John the Baptist was was out there just baptizing whoever wanted to be baptized. They were they were baptized. They weren't given this speech. They weren't uh, questioned a thousand times. They weren't sent through this whole rigmarole that we do now, right? They were not they were not judged about being baptized. They had they did not have to fit any quarter, any kind of qualifications. Except the fact that they wanted to be baptized, right? And and the issue is that when we become so technical, when we become so technical, saying that you can only be baptized in the church and you can only be baptized on this particular you know day of the week and you can only be baptized if you wear this and if you wear that and if you went through these courses and you went through those courses, this is the ritual part that we're talking about. When we get caught up into that, then you're missing the grace. You're missing the mercy. You're missing the love. You're missing the compassion. Because let me tell you something. If we decide to put off someone getting baptized, you know, because they didn't fit this criteria, what if they don't make it, you know, that next two weeks or that next month? What if they they are on their last breath? You know, but they want to get baptized. They've never been baptized. You know, are, are we going to send them through all of the steps, all of the customary rituals? Are we going to do that? See, this, 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 this is the flaws that I'm talking about. This is the flaws that I'm talking about. Um, my own personal testimony in regards to baptism is that I am an ordained minister. And my daughter had never been baptized in a church. And all of my, my other children had been baptized in an official, quote, quote, official way. My daughter was petrified to be baptized, you know, in that type of environment. She was a very shy individual. She didn't trust people. She felt that they would keep her down there too long. And she had all of these these different things that she brought up to me. And we were on vacation one day. And my daughter brought up being baptized. 
my husband is an ordained uh, ordained uh, deacon, and my daughter brought up being baptized. And I asked her as we were in our in the pool. I said, "Do you want to get baptized?" And my daughter said, "Yes, I do." And I said, "Do you trust me to do that?" And she said, "Yes, I do." And when my husband standing there bear witness to it, I baptized my daughter, and I made and I made it very clear to her. Uh, it was official. My daughter accepted Christ as a personal savior. She believed in him. She believed that he walked this earth. She believed that he died and she believed that he resurrected with all power in his hands and that he loved her. And because of that, we had that moment together. Now, some other church would say that that wasn't official. Some other church would say, well, it was not the right environment, um, you know, to have that. You know, it, it was it was not the perfect timing. She didn't do this. She didn't go through this. She didn't go through that. But I am saying to her, you know, as a Christian, as her mother, as an ordained minister, I would not allow that moment to pass by for me to tell my daughter, oh, you can't get baptized now because, you know, we're not in a church environment. And we don't have all the other spiritual leaders around us to make this official. Let me tell you something. We had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And that's all we needed. And so I learned that a lot of things that, you know, we, you know, of course, I would, I have seen my sons and, you know, get baptized in, a, in, a, in those official settings. And it's very moving. But it was just as moving for me as a mother to see my daughter get baptized in the way that she got baptized. Because it it was the same and meant something to her and therefore it meant something to me. We cannot get caught up in the technicalities that we forget the grace, that we forget the mercy. Okay. Now the scripture talks about even for communion, the Bible does not specify the frequency of the meal, the type of bread to use, the alcohol content, the cup, or exactly who should administer the ordinance. Churches allow some freedom in these matters. But then you will see others who say, no, that's not true. Only these people can, you know, prepare it. Only these people can pray over it. Over these, only these people can administer it to, you know, to give it out to the people. Right. You know, and, and, and it's amazing to me that we do this because what we're doing is we're actually making it seem as if these people are more spiritual, more deep, more uh, whatever than the next person. And, and, and. And a lot of times, let's be honest, that's just not true. They have just as many flaws as the next person. They might have more issues that they're dealing with, more things that they're going through, you know, while administering this Lord's Supper, this Holy Communion, right? So my point is, my point is, I don't think that we should get so caught up once again into the technicalities that we miss the grace, that we miss the mercy, that we miss the flow of the spirit in things, that the move of God can get lost in our technicalities. The move of God can get lost in our rituals. The move of God, the essence of God can get lost in our rituals. And that's what we're talking about today. Now, all churches have a format that they typically follow, and this can be can be thought of as a ritual. Of course, there it, it is good for everything to, to be done in a, a decent and in 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 an orderly way. And I, I completely agree with that. First Corinthians 14 40 talks about that. I have been in environments, uh church environments where uh, you know, things were just out of whack, you know, things were completely chaotic and messy. And that's not what we're going for. Uh, there are, there is a time and place for everything and things should be done decently in order, especially when it comes to ministry. So I'm completely, uh, for that a hundred percent. Okay. Having a procedure to follow is not wrong at all. And that's not what I'm saying. But this is what I but this is what I am saying. If the church is so lethargic, is so stuck stuck on being in a ritual and liturgical that it, the structure you know is so rigid that the Holy Spirit cannot operate freely, a uh, flow, um, then the liturgy is going too far. That the liturgy is getting into the way. That the rituals is getting into the way. And 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 how we used to say it is you know in a church service. Please let the Spirit of the Lord have His way. 
right? This is just as simple as was said constantly. Please allow the spirit of God to have his way in this service today. You know, we have our agenda, but this is how I feel. God's agenda always supersedes our agenda. Always. God's agenda will always supersede. It should always supersede, supersede our agenda. Um, let me also say that liturgies or rituals designed by people are flawed. Okay, they're fallible and are often unscriptural. Um, scriptural. Um, it's even possible to nullify the word of God with traditions people have created. Mark 7, 13 states that. Jesus warns against these vain repetitions. Remember, I talked to you earlier about getting to the point of the vain repetitions. Matthew 6, 7 talks about that. Vain repetitions and many rituals held in churches today are just that. Repetitions, even in our prayers or our creeds or even our songs. Um, it can lead to what? Dullness. There's no fire. <laughs> There's no fire and I'm not talking about a natural fire I'm talking about the Holy Ghost fire Jeremiah says like fire shut in my bones he's talking about the word of the Lord right it's like fire in our in our bones it's it's um it's this it's the power the essence that's that's what that's what us uh, you know makes this walk this journey so different than so many others because there is really a true uh, essence. There's a true gratification of true fulfillment in serving God and, and being in the midst of his services. It's, it's It can be quite tangible, to be honest with you. It's not always that way. But it's very tangible because I have been in, in environments where the, the very room that I'm in, uh, the, 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 the spirit of God is so uh, elevated and so authentic that you can just almost tangibly, you know, feel that, that a power, that essence, that anointing, that flavor of God, right? And we don't want to miss that. We don't want to miss that. And when you get caught up into all of this technicalities, you lose the essence of God. And that's why he was talking about and his word about, you know, let's not get caught into repetitious prayers. Yes, he gave them a, a form of prayer because they didn't know how to pray. When they ask God, you know, they come to Jesus and they ask God, how should we pray? Of course, he's going to give them a, a, a format of, of how to pray. Because once again, a question is asked. And that's why I said in the very beginning of this podcast, when things are asked, then you have to give them the basics, right? When your kids start off with school... Even as a parent, the first thing you do is teach your kids ABCs, right? But you don't expect your kids just to only use ABCs. At some point or another, your children will begin to form words, okay? They take the letters and they form words. They just don't continue to repeat ABCs. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we can't get stuck at that level. There's so much more that God wants us to have. There's so much more that God wants to show us, so much more that he wants to give us, so much more he wants to trust us with. But we have to get out of the ABCs. We have to get out of that and, and get to where God wants us to be. Okay? So we don't want to have a dullness. We want to be able to express, you know, the, the, the goodness of God. You know, in our mind, our body, and soul when we're before God. Look at that in Matthews 22, 34 through 40. So the question is, are rituals wrong? No. And I, and I agree with that. No, it is not wrong. Not inherently. Not wholeheartedly. Empty, empty rituals is wrong. And it's easy to happen. That can easily occur. As any, if any ritual replace a vibrant relationship with, with Christ, if any ritual replaces the prophetic move of God, if any rituals replaces the, the flow of the spirit or, or the power of God or the ability of God to reveal himself to his people in any shape, form or fashion that he chooses to, then it is a problem. It is a problem. 
And, and, and so in, in our churches, we have to make sure that our rituals is not replacing grace. Our rituals is not replacing uh, mercy. Our rituals is not replacing the, the power of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the, the mercy of God, the flavor of God. We can't allow that to happen. Um, our rituals commanded in the church. Once again, we've established that he talks about baptism and communion, and that is it. God knows uh, his people. He knows our heart. He seeks those to worship him and those who worship him in the spirit and in truth. And that is John 4, 24. Rituals can be beneficial, but external rites should never be allowed to replace the inner devotion. Personal relationships can get lost in rituals and that's what i want to express in this um podcast and then this final uh presentation to my professor is that i don't believe that rituals should supersede personal relationships rituals should not supersede the move of god the power of God, the anointing of God, the grace of God, the love of God. And a lot of times that can happen because he's not allowed to, uh, you know, come into a place. Because this, this is the way I was always taught, that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, right? He don't force himself on anyone. And also I was taught that, you know, whoever would come to God, come to him freely. So God is not going to push himself, right? He reveals himself, but he doesn't push himself. And so a lot of times in our services, they're designed to, to not be inclusive to God. You hear what I'm saying? Um, we say that we want God. We say that God, you're welcome. Spirit of God, you are welcome to come into our services and lead us and guide us in any way that you would have it. That's what we say. But our actions, our rituals make it very difficult for God to do that because we are stuck to our plans and our agenda at this time. 10 o'clock, we're doing this. At 11 o'clock, we're doing this. 11.15, we should be here. 12 o'clock, we should be here. And by 12.30, we should be done. And that's how our rituals have put us into this box. It has limited what we are doing it has limited what God can do in our services and in our personal lives. And so I don't think that rituals should supersede our personal relationships. So let me get to the conclusion of this. Let me sh- conclude this by sharing my own little personal story, you guys. And thank you so much for being patient with me, you guys, and listening to my final. And I hope you have learned something thus far. Okay, thank you so much. You know I love you, love you, love you, love you. You guys are the best. But let me share my my personal story. Y'all know I love to share my personal experiences, right? So you guys know that, you know, I have shared so much about my father, my sister, my brother, and all my family members that I have lost, right? So, um, this story is actually about my father. My father was on his, literally, literally, he was on his sickbed. And he was surrounded. We, we, we called all these people in to, you know, pray over my father. He, he was in our home, in our personal home. And we called all these people in to uh, pray for my father. We was praying for God to touch him, to heal him, to, you know, you know, bring life to his body. And, and this is where we were, right? And so um, as we, you know, begin to uh, touch, they call it touch and agree. As we begin to touch and agree, we uh, grabbed hands, right? That's touching and agreeing. We grabbed hands. We grabbed hands and we closed our eyes, okay? And we, we, we bowed our heads and they decide to choose an individual to pray. And the individual began to do a very traditional, uh, ritualistic prayer 
I knew it from the very moment that they opened their mouth that this is this was getting ready to be a very traditional and ritualistic prayer. And what I mean is that they were not for one moment uh, seeking God for the present moment we were in. They were not consulting God uh, to deal specifically with the specific moment that we were in, the condition of my father, the, 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 the severity of his situation. I mean, they were not doing that. Okay. They was just traditionally starting it off. And so you guys, please remember that I was, you know, very young and, and, and I was, you know, very, uh, devastated. I've shared this before. So I, I was going through a lot at this time, but what I did believe, um, was the power of prayer because that was my upbringing. And I believed in, um, the power of healing and the, and the power of, of God, like he can do all things. And I, and I still believe that to this day. And so, um, as we sat there and he began this prayer, you know, I, I, I for some reason, I, because, you know, I, I knew where he was going, you know, with the prayer, I looked up. And I began to see the people around uh, in the circle. And I, and I was noticing that, you know, some was not even um, paying attention to the prayer. They were looking around up in the sky and they weren't even interested. And, and it was just, it was so devastating. It was so devastating because, see, that's the dullness that came into it that I was talking about. This moment... This moment was serious. This moment was was a major nine one one call to God for me, and 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 for them to take that moment and make it very ritualistic and very uh, customary, customary. It 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 just about broke my heart. I literally left that prayer feeling worse than I did when I took the hands of those people to start the prayer. I literally cried like a baby. After that prayer, not because I was moved by God, but because I was moved by sadness and, and, and I felt such a anguish in my spirit over what had just happened. So when I, from that moment, I learned so much, you guys, I learned so much over, you know, losing people and learning about uh, grief and learning about the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the compassion of God. I learned so much doing all that you know, time about these areas because of such moments like that, such moments like that. And that's why I'm very passionate about sharing this, you know, this, this podcast. I'm very passionate about sharing with people about coming out of your comfort zone, not getting caught up into, you know, what you've been taught your whole life because it might just be wrong. Um, and I always refer to the life of Paul when I look at that because he was smart, he was educated, he was intelligent. I mean, he knew what he knew. He was a very smart, intelligent man and he loved God and he thought he was doing the things that was right by God. Only to find out that what he thought he knew, he did not know when he was doing it wrong, right? And so his whole life had to be changed. He had a transformation, you know, a transforming moment when he lost his physical sight, right? In order for his spiritual eyes to be open. And that's what happened to me. And that's why I love the story of Paul so much. And that's why I love talking about renewing our minds and getting to a point where we can rethink what we thought we knew. It is okay to do that. It does not hurt you. It does not hurt you to rethink. It does not hurt you to reevaluate and to reassess what you have been doing your entire life. Um, if it is not lining up with the word of God, if it's not lining up to where you are supposed to be or where you feel like you need to be um, mentally, physically, or emotionally, then you need to reassess yourself, rethink it. Just because it was something that we have been doing forever doesn't mean it was the right thing. And I knew at the age of, what was I, 21? I was the age of 21, you guys. So I knew at the age of 21 that that was wrong and that something was not right about that. And you know what? I think that that, that made me see that more than anything. It was love. 
It was love that I had for my father, love and compassion for him and wanting to see him get better. And you know what? After my father, I had been in other rooms like that and that same love came back. So it wasn't because I loved him, but I love to see people better. I love to see people healthier. I love to see people stronger. I love to see people, you know, become victorious. And, and, I, and I have compassion for people. And so, you know, in those moments like that, it always, and I have been in those moments again, you know, it just brings out this love of God. You know, I want to see them get better. God, I really would love for you to give them peace or give them, you know, freedom. For if, even if it's from this body you know, freedom in, in the next, right? You know, because you want to see healing and healing as we discussed comes in different forms. Sometimes it is just, you know, to let go of this place in order for you to go to the next. And so I learned a lot, you guys. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing this with me and for being here for me as I share uh, with you guys my final for my course. And for those who are catching the end, please go back and listen again because today I did something very special. I was able to share with you uh, my final uh, for my liturgy and Christian sacrament course that my professor so graciously allowed me to do on my podcast and so i just want to thank you guys so much for being here and for listening i hope you got something from out of it out of this and please if you did did please let me know and leave me some comments some questions so that we can continue this conversation thank you so much for listening to renew my revolution podcast with your host michelle clacall as always it is my honor and my pleasure to be able to share some tips and some tools with you well that i know would assist you in becoming a better you Remember, I love you, but most importantly, God loves you more. God bless.